0: Here's it to Jeff Green guarded by West. Here's one that. They're looking for oh, Pierce. Wow. They have that door to Green Four. Again, four. Uh,
1: they use it as a screen. Paul Pierce was there. And he
0: cleaned it. And that's how you are able to get. The open turn on the inside. Knocked away by Cox. Here comes Boston on the run. Here's Crawford on the drive. Scores it. Again, that Boston quickness running the floor. Terry with the mid. But there's Bradley. They can jump. He's playing defense and now offensive rebounding. Avery Bradley is a defender, but you're not expecting him to score 22 points, I'm sure. No, not at all. But, you know, that's what he's been doing for this
2: team. He's spotting up, making the open shots. He's running their team. He's playing great.
0: It's the Celtics Beat with
2: Ty Ray.
3: Good afternoon or good evening, everybody. Ty with, uh, Ray with you, along with Rich Conti, walking the Celtics beat on this this Sunday, a pleasant Sunday. I couldn't be happier. The Eastern Conference Finals all tied up between the Pacers and the dreaded Miami Heat at three games apiece, and we'll touch on that in a moment. A good show for you today, folks. A really, really good show. We're going to be joined, Rich and, and I, in a few moments with uh, Baxter Holmes, he will be gracing us with his presence. He's the Celtics beat writer from the Boston Globe. We're going to talk to him about the Paul Pierce contract situation. Will Doc Rivers be back? What about Kevin Garnett? He also wrote a column recently on the progress of Jared Sullinger after his back surgery, and we'll talk about all sorts of topics. He used to actually be the beat writer for the Los Angeles Lakers. Talk about a man that's had a chance to cover basketball royalty, both the Lakers and the Celtics. It should be a great conversation we have with Baxter, and it should be a great conversation I have right now with my co-host, Rich Conti. And, Rich, you hear the enthusiasm in my voice about today's show because the Eastern Conference Finals are all tied up at three games apiece. What was this about the Heat being the best team of all time? Buddy, they sure look mortal against Indiana.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Ty. I'm excited to uh, be working with you again. It's 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 been a couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think we might have touched on this before, but um, you know, this the narrative about the you know the Heat becoming this uh, dynasty, and and I've even seen you know I think when this uh, Eastern Conference Finals um, uh, started out. I think, uh, you know, recall a few people on ESPN.com uh, talking about whether, you know, the Heat season this past year was one of the best seasons of all time. And, you know, it It, it just seems like it's so manufactured. Um, you know, certainly they had a great regular season. Uh, they are the reigning champions. But, you know, let's not forget, they were nine minutes away from, you know, being sent home by the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. And, you know, had that happened, who knows? You know, does is Folster back? Is Dwayne Wade back? Is Chris Bosch back? Um, you know a lot of pressure on that team to win and yeah they 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 did bring home the championship last year, um, but then it looks like some of the seams are showing this year. Indiana's exposing their um, you know, weakness on the interior with um, not just Roy Hibbert and the tremendous job he's been doing in this series, but uh, David West has also had a really big series, particularly last night. Man, playing with a 103 degree fever, uh, had a slow start, but really turned it on and, and was a big difference when they kind of created that separation from Miami in the third quarter.
3: And I have to ask you, Rich, Dwayne Wade, what do you think? Is this guy on his last legs literally uh, watching him? He has all the heart in the world. I'm not going to knock Dwayne Wade, even though I think he's somewhat of a cheap chart artist, and that's been well documented. But the guy is a gamer, and he's really, really struggling out there. I think he's only averaging, what, 14 points in the series, not being the impactful player that Dwayne Wade can be.
4: Yeah, you know, certainly he's always had a little bit of that Allen Iverson in, the, in him. Certainly a bigger player than Iverson was, but just his style of play and and just the the recklessness with which he you know kind of flies around on the court. Obviously takes a, a physical toll, and you know he's he's been um, you know dealing with a knee issue for for most of this season. It seems like um, you know it's funny. It seems like it's it's fine when the Heat are winning, and then when they when they struggle, uh, the attention turns back to his his physical condition. um, So, you know, I I think he's probably seen his better days as a player, but man, you know, those better days were, you know, a top two or three player in the league. So I, you know, would expect him to be even, you know, in in a bit of a diminished capacity, still having a, a big imprint on this series. And he, and he just really isn't. And, you know, I wonder if uh, at some point, do people start asking if the reason, if LeBron is not the reason why LeBron never seems to have enough help? I mean, he he got the situation he wanted. He's playing next to two players that he basically handpicked a couple of summers ago, and you know they they um, they made it to the finals that first year and and were beaten by the Mavericks. They won it all last year, and they're you know they're they're facing a stiff test here. And you know I I, I don't know what else what other situation he could be in. To get better help than he has now, yet it always seems like it isn't enough.
3: And, Rich, we're going to touch on that after we get through talking to Baxter Holmes, the Celtics beat writer, about what's going on with the Celtics this year. The back part of the show, we're going to talk about your column, which is entitled Loosely Connected Thoughts on the NBA Playoffs and the Boston Celtics. And that's featured right now, folks, on CLNSRadio.com. It is one of my favorite columns, Rich, that you ever written. And I'm not trying to give you a pat on the back. I just thought it was very thought-provoking, and you outlined A lot of great things about LeBron James and how he may not make his team better. And you also opened my eyes to some things about the Boston Celtics and how they should move forward rebuilding uh, their team. So we're going to talk about that. But let's get back to the Eastern Conference Finals, Rich. I don't mean to sound like Clint Eastwood in Grand Torino here and go all crazy, but I thought last night's performance by LeBron James after he was called for a personal foul when he went up against Roy Hibbert, was outrageous. His performance was outrageous. I think it's bad for the NBA to have a player like LeBron James, a player of his magnitude. He is the biggest player in the game today, acting like a three-year-old on the basketball court, running up and down and mocking the officials. I thought that was grounds for dismissal. I thought he got a slap on the wrist with only one technical foul. What are your thoughts?
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, if you want to carry that mantle of being the you know the best player of the league, um, you know that that comes with an awful lot of responsibility in terms of being the face of the league. And you know, I, I think the perception that's that's there now, and I think LeBron has created much of this perception is himself. I think the league is somewhat complicit, but you know, the perception is that LeBron is above the league, um, and and by extension, the Heat are above the league, and and they set the terms, and 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 the league. Follows because you know they're the, the the marketing powerhouse and you know that's just that shows a, a for me a blatant um, lack of respect for the game um, you know that you know has has put him in the position to enjoy uh, all of the, the the riches and the fame that he's enjoyed and it, it just you know he still um, carries himself as if the league the fans the other teams in the league all owe him something. And, you know, that moment, I think, um, you know, it was hard to, um, to to ignore that as being an, an, you know, really powerful example of that attitude of entitlement that he has, you know, heck, Every player in the league is subject to bad calls here and there. I actually think that was the right call at that point in time. Um, Hibbert went straight up in the air. Yes, he was off his feet, but he went straight up in the air, and LeBron drove directly into him. Hibbert didn't leave his feet until after LeBron had taken off. Um, You know, it was at best, it could have gone either way. And, you know, as a player in the NBA, you – you know, it, it, it's not always fun, but, you know, you let the officials do their job. Every player, as I said, has been subject to a bad call here and there. And to just, you know, act like somehow you're exempt and and, and it's an affront, uh, you know, for you to be treated the same way that the rest of the league is treated, you know, just, just to me, you know, really shows what's at the core of this guy. And it's that, that vanity, that, that sense of entitlement. Rich, I spend far too
3: much time on social media for my own good because I get into these discussions with younger, younger fans that I know I can't win. They call me a nerd, a geek, because I care about the integrity of the game. And I think it shows a little generational gap from us fans from the 1980s, from the 1970s until now, where the marketing machine – don't get me wrong. There was marketing in the age with Magic and Bird, but it seems a lot more different than it does today. Uh, with LeBron James. And I, as I said last night on Facebook, I said, hey, remember the day when Jordan, Bird, and Magic Johnson all flopped? Well, the answer is no. They didn't do those types of things because they believed in the integrity of the game. And, Rich, like I said, I don't want to be Clint Eastwood and Grant Torino with my gun telling the kids to get off the lawn, but what I want them to do is to really think about the integrity of the game and what's happening to the integrity of the game. Because I actually think the NBA is in a little bit of trouble here with a credibility issue. And when older fans like you and I or you know, relatives of mine, older friends of mine, quit watching the game, that's a problem. When they think the outcome is being predetermined, I'm not saying fixed. I don't believe that, Rich. But when they think that certain players get certain rights while other ones don't, That's a serious problem for the league, Rich.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in a lot of ways the NBA has created the situation. You know, you, uh, you even going back to Bird and Magic, um, you know, the NBA made a decision um in the early 80s that their way back to prominence and their way back into the national attention span was to market individuals. You know, <laughs> we were all familiar with, you know, um, you know, the NBA on on NBC Saturday, you know, uh Magic uh, and Bird, Lakers and Celtics. You know it was always the focus on the individual, and then you know certainly Jordan came along at a time where you know he kind of picked up that mantle and just his his individual brilliance uh, and and dominance and will just made him a naturally compelling figure. And in many ways, you know LeBron James is just kind of the the, the logical outcome of what's been happening over the past twenty five to thirty years. You know there was bound to come along a player so physically um talented and so skilled uh that you know he could dominate the game the way lebron has and growing up in that culture where you know what was valued and and what the league focused on was individual skills and talents you know it's it's not surprising You know That we're here You know Back when You know Bird and Magic And even Jordan um, were, were, were kind of At the top of their games And dominating the league You know What was really valued Wasn't that individual brilliance It was just It was the dominant uh, dominance It was the competitiveness And you know The league just really isn't As competitive In the same way It was uh, in, the, in the 80s And early 90s You know Sure Teams fight hard They play hard But there isn't that Same undercurrent Of you know It's all about about the wins and losses. I think, you know, the Spurs are maybe a a, a counterexample to that. Um, Indiana seems to, you know, be that type of team as well. And, of course, I think the Celtics during their, their, you know, resurgent year of 2008 kind of had a little bit about that. But, you know, it's all about the individuals now. It's all about the vanity. It's all about, you know, um, look at me, pay attention to me. You see players, you know, hitting bad shots and and running down court, popping their jerseys. Right, you know. Celebrating. yeah, at best, Larry Bird and Michael Jordan would have kind of run back with kind of a sheepish grin on their face, like they shook their hat yeah, right. I really shouldn't have done that, but I got away with it. You know, now it's supposed to be, you know, a, a a symbol of of what you are as a player, and it's just, you know, it's the league's values are in in a in a strange place. And you know, honestly, I I think an in Indiana San Antonio Finals would be one of the best things to happen in the NBA in a long time. And yes, um,
3: we would hear about the low ratings for those finals.
4: Oh yeah. That's all they
3: would talk about. And to me, there's nothing sexier than looking up at TD Garden and seeing 17 banners. And I'm sure there's nothing sexier for fans in San Antonio to look up in their Raptors and see four banners. Because isn't that really what it's all about? I wish I had a penny for every time I heard that the Spurs are boring. Hell no, they're not boring. They play basketball the way it should be played. Tim, Bo- uh, Tim Duncan's not a boring player. Tony Parker's boring? Where did this myth come from, Rich? Where did it come from?
4: Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's. I think ultimately, it's um, a lot of it is born kind of in the AAU circuit. Um, you know, all of those teams play like a one-four offense. Where you take the the one guy that your team was kind of lucky to recruit and get on your team, you put, you know, you give him the ball. Doesn't matter if he's six ten or six two, right? You know, you give him the ball at the top of the key. Everybody spreads out, and you let him go one on one or one on two, and 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 kick to a shooter, and and or you know somebody's gonna slash off the the kick and or the driving kick, and you know that's the way, you know, these, these players are, you know, being conditioned and and grown up and, you know, people watch that and and everybody wants to be the guy breaking somebody's ankles off the, off the dribble or, you know, hitting the three or, you know, and just the fundamentals and the, you know, the the beauty of the the movement of the game um, just isn't appreciated. I think to the same degree it it was
3: very good point, Rich. Very good point. We're going to go to our first break and we, we come back. We're going to talk to Baxter Holmes. Beat writer for the Boston Celtics from the Boston Globe. Stay with us on the Celtics Beat.
2: Hey, this is Mike Fay from Mike T. Just reminding you about all of the great stuff we have right here on CLNSRadio.com. Even though the Celtics may be in the offseason, our Celtics postgame show will be back in better than ever when the boys in green take the parquet again. And until then, stay with CLNS for outstanding coverage of the Red Sox and Paw Sox, plus we still have our outstanding weekly shows. Tuesday night at 7.30, it's the Boston Sports Connection, hosted by CLNS content manager Sean Backy. One hit away from a perfect game, and he was dealing on Saturday. On Wednesday, Brian Langford brings you the evening score at 8. I always say, yeah, I'm not scared to go into it. I'll go completely into it. And tune in Thursday nights at 9 for NBA for Life with Pat and AWOL. The Pacers win games when they go inside to David West and Roy Hibbert. Don't forget, you can call into our live shows at 347-215-7771. And if you missed the live broadcast, you can download us on iTunes. And there are even more awesome podcasts available.
3: Check them all out on clnsradio.com. Hi, everyone. It's Ty Ray from King of the Court and the Celtics postgame show. clnsradio.com is rapidly expanding, and you can be a part of it all. Join the CLNS radio community today. Register as a CLNS member. When you join, you'll get your very own blog page and profile. And signing up is so easy; you can even use your Facebook page to do it. While you're at it, text CLNS fans to two two eight two eight to join our e updates community. That's CLNS fans. one word, to 22828. And don't forget, you can always chat and become a part of the conversation on our message board. That's at CLNSRadio.com backslash forum. CLNS Radio is getting bigger and better every day, and we want you to be right there with us.
2: CelticsBlog.com. Blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors, Jeff Clark is the most distinguished Celtics blogger on the web. Celtics Blog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide Celtics fans the most unique, thoughtful, and in-depth commentary online. There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog, and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you the Garden Report, the only HD post-game show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at CelticsBlog.com.
0: This is Avery Bradley of the Boston Celtics, and you are listening to CLNS Radio. Radio.
2: CLNSRadio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio.
3: Welcome back to Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Ty Ray, Rich Connie with you on a Sunday, and so pleased to be joined right now by Baxter Holmes, beat writer from the Boston Globe for the Boston Celtics. Baxter, thanks for joining Celtics Beat today. We do appreciate it. Hey, sure. My pleasure. So I'll have to ask you the question that everybody, I'm sure, has been asking you. Is Paul Pierce going to be in the green in 2013-2014?
0: Well, it's a, it's a great question, and uh, I think it's the question at the forefront for anybody who's following the Celtics, whether you're a diehard fan or you're just a casual NBA observer. Because you know you, you think that this uh, this coming season could be the first um, what since 1998 that Paul Pierce isn't out there. Um, I think you know there, there's there's pros and cons um, as to whether or not uh, bring him back. Um, you know they have until obviously uh, June 30th to. Buy him out for five million. Otherwise, uh, he's owed 15.33 million uh, guaranteed for the rest of the season. Um, and I, you know, Danny Ainge is going to take his time to try to make that decision. I honestly, you know, and this is just my opinion. I don't, uh, but I, I honestly think that bringing him back is kind of an easier, easier choice. Um, he, certainly, the way that he played in the last two. Playoff games um, would lead people to think, oh, you know, this is, um, it's maybe time to cut the cord and let go, you know. But there's also the question of, um, you know, with him at the end, was that Amon Schumpert's defense? Was that Pierce's decline? Was he out of gas because, you know, they were shorthanded? And I'd I'd kind of be interested, uh, honestly, to see how he'd look out there with, you know, Rondo back healthy, Solinger back healthy, Green able to. Take a, um, you know, he obviously stepped up, you know, uh, from the midway point of the season on, and it'd be interesting to see, um, you know, him, what his role would be next year. And if Paul could take a uh, maybe a little bit of a lesser role, but there's also the question of whether or not he would want to do that. Um, but, you know, if, if they amnesty him, you know, payroll is still going to be near like the $59 million a cap level for next season. So it won't really create any cap space to to sign a free agent. So right now moving or cutting him really won't bring uh that much in return because there's probably not a lot of teams out there that you know view him as as valuable. So I you know, I think I uh, I won't be surprised. Well, I won't be surprised either way, but um I almost I I think honestly it makes more sense for Paul to come back. Uh, for another year, and if things aren't working out, they can still try to move them at the, in February around the trade deadline.
4: Hey Baxter, this is Rich Conte. Um, You know, just curious. I'm, um, you know, not sure um, how much insight you have into um, you know the market for Pierce, but you know, from from your understanding, you know, of Ainge and and the, what the Celtics are trying to do moving forward, you know, what type of deal do you think um, Ange would be looking for to to consider uh, moving Pierce? Well, you know that's an
0: interesting question. Um, in terms of what they might be able to get, um, I, you know, I don't know exactly what. Danny's can be kind of hard to read. I mean, he's obviously one of the probably one of the more aggressive deal makers um, in the NBA. I mean, that's you know that his track record has proven that several years back. Um, there was talks, of course, you know that he was involved or that they were. Chatting with the Clippers for a potential blockbuster deal, um, you know, back when that um, would, I guess, what ship Paul out there. So uh, one thing that I do think um, that if they were to move Pierce, even though that this is, a, even though this is a business, I think they would take into consideration where they're sending him um, to, to make sure that he would be kind of happy. I don't think that they would send him to a you know, a team that's really on the downturn, um, and, a, and a place, a, a location that he, you know, probably wouldn't want to go. So I do think that, you know, they they, probably, they feel loyal to him. and, and would, If they did trade him, they'd, you know, want to see him in a situation where he'd be happy. But it's, you know, in terms of if they could do a straight-up deal for Paul um, and, you know, somebody else, it would be hard to try to pull that off, I think, um to get the salaries to match i think there'd have to be you know it'd have to be a package deal with multiple guys and probably even draft picks um but you know it it's it, again if if you know paul's going to be 36 by the time next season starts and it's just a question of how valuable other teams might see him uh or view him as and you know truthfully that There's not, you know, those kind of guys, there's just, you know, father time is undefeated and there's not going to, and that's not looking to change anytime soon. So he may be more valuable to the Celtics um, because of, you know, there just aren't too many possibilities out there um, versus, uh, you know, being with some other team via trade.
3: So Baxter, are KG and Doc waiting to see what happens with Pierce before they make their decisions?
0: Uh, yeah, you know, that's a good question. I, you know, KG, uh, Paul is, would seem to be the first domino. Um, and, you know, Danny alluded to that, you know, recently talking about how he hasn't talked to Garnett because he doesn't have yet the uh, answers that, you know, he knows Garnett, uh, to the questions that he knows Garnett's going to ask. Um, and you know that's that's paramount. So I, I kind of look at Paul as the first domino. Once his um, his kind of path is defined, I think that makes it easier for Kevin. Now for Doc, I you know as to why he hasn't uh, publicly come out and said, you know I'm definitely I'm in for next season. Uh, you know I'm not sure exactly. I don't. I I this is just me. I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into the idea that he's not coming back know, He was at the draft workouts. Um, he's, you know, him and Danny talk all the time. I don't, and he didn't give the impression of, uh, at the end of the year that he wasn't coming back. You know, he said, I'm coming back until I say I'm not. So, um, yeah, I don't put, I don't put too much stock into it. Um, from people I've talked to, nobody has given me the impression that Doc wouldn't be back. Um, And if he's just taking his time because he wants to decompress um, and, uh, you know, what, spend time with family or out on the golf course, I'm sure he's out there every day anyway, Um, and, you know, watch some basketball, that's fine, you know. Um, They're usually, I mean, the last few years they've been playing this time of year anyway. So uh, if he's just taking some time off, that's fine. Um, I guess it, it can be a little bit unnerving because there's always the what if possibly, oh he might not come back and whatnot. You know, he's also the highest paid coach in the league, like seven, you know, seven million a year, I believe. So I yeah, you know, I don't have too much doubt that he'll be back. Now as for KG, as I said I think a big factor is gonna be Paul. You know, they're they're good friends and I think um, you know, that that'll be uh I you know, Paul, the future of
4: Paul will
0: be a huge factor in in whether or not we see Garnett in a Celtics uniform next season.
4: Hey, Baxter, uh, you know, bringing up uh, the the question of why Doc hasn't – you know, stated publicly, despite all the speculation that's been out there that, that he's coming back, is this too Machiavellian, or could that actually be at the behest of uh, Ainge? Uh, in other words, if there's uncertainty about the Celtics' situation, uh, you know, heading into the off season, does that actually create a little bit more market value, potentially, for Pierce, um, you know, thinking that, well, hey, you know, the, the Celtics may actually be more serious about moving him? And, you know, in, in terms of the speculation about uh, Pierce, seems like a lot of it's emanating from... From Stephen A. Smith and you know, is is he just doing his job stirring the pot, you know, what he what he gets paid for? Yeah. Or you know, he does have a relationship with Billy King and, and obviously the Nets were were very, very interested in uh Doc. Was is was there a little bit of an agenda there maybe? Uh, you yeah, know, I you know, I can't
0: you know, I won't really speak for Stephen A. Um a as to, you know, some of the rumors that were out there, um you know, people in and around the Celtics if you talk to them, they put, you know, no stock in it. Um and, you know, that's is there does that mean that there's not a shred of truth to any of that? No. It doesn't. Um does that mean that any of that's likely? No, it doesn't. Um you know there's just there's the thing that I think NBA fans um and even we in the media sometimes we latch onto the idea of talk. Oh, this team is talking to that team. They're talking about this player and that player. But the fact of the matter is teams talk all the time about possibilities because it's competitive, it's a multimillion-dollar business, and they're looking to get better and potentially make moves all the time. So teams, you know, these guys are on their phones all the time thinking about possibilities and talking about possibilities. And so many of them don't even get uh, very far down the road in terms of, you know, uh, whether or not something becomes plausible. Um, and there's a lot of things that have to match up, you know, the money has to match up the you know, both teams kind of have to be happy to, before they pull the trigger on a deal. Um, so yeah, I mean, in, in terms of, um, in terms of like speculation, you know, that, that, uh, Stephen A. or others have, have put out there, some of it kind of seems, um, or it can seem at times to be a little bit, you know, like jarring or whatnot. Um, again, you know, people close to the Celtics, they haven't, Really put too much stock in it, and I haven't, you know, anything I've heard hasn't really lined up with a lot of that either. Um, that and what was the the first part of your question you were asking about? Um,
4: uh, about oh, sorry, so
0: yeah,
4: yeah, about whether you know Ainge actually could be the one, uh, you know, um, asking Doc to maybe um, you know not come out and make a public statement as a way of maybe creating more market value for Pierce, or is that is that a little oh. too um, tinfoil helmet? <laughs> yeah i know that uh, i haven't that's
0: that's a new one i haven't i haven't heard
4: that or i haven't heard that
0: or even uh conjured it up you know i the one thing i'll say is that you know as i said before danny is a uh an aggressive steelmaker dealing danny um and uh i wouldn't put it i wouldn't There, pro- there probably isn't a scheme or idea that i would put past him um <laughs> you know i really yeah he's a guy i mean they're I, and, and as much as we, and as much as like fans and media, you know, we speculating on potential deals. You know, we'll go onto the ESPN.com trade machine and you know, come up with all these crazy concoctions of things. You know, that we think, oh, this works or whatever. They should do it. Um, you know, I there there probably isn't much that they haven't already thought of before we have. So, um, so I wouldn't yeah I wouldn't put anything past them. But that that the, what what you just described is new to me. I haven't.
3: <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Baxter, we know you've got work to do, so we're going to let you go. I just have one question for you. What's with the bow tie? you got to explain before we let you go. Well,
0: you know, so um, I only have one uh, one bow tie, that bow tie, and I've only actually <laughs> worn it to uh, one of the, I've only worn it once. Um, um, it was at a, um, I used, so I used to work at the Los Angeles Times before I moved to Boston in uh, January to cover the Celtics for the globe. And uh, I was with uh, my girlfriend at a downtown event in LA. It was uh, this, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember exactly what it, it was. like at the downtown uh, athletic club in Los Angeles. And it was the kind of event where it was like a throwback night, where people dressed, you know, like the 1920s or something. And the closest thing I had to anything of years ago was a bow tie. And so I put it on and, and they snapped a the photo and, you know, I was trying to think of some kind of photo that would look professional, and that's about as good as I got. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's it's I've worn it once, um, and I've thought of, like, when would be a good time to wear it again. I almost wore it for game six. I thought, well, you know, it could be the last game. I might as well.
3: Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's just collecting dust. Yeah, you, well, you wear it well, my enough. friend. Not everybody can rock oh, the bow tie. Yeah, not everybody can rock the bow tie. Thanks for joining us today, Baxter. We do appreciate it.
0: Hey, my pleasure. You guys take care.
3: You too. Have a have a good Sunday. That's Baxter Holmes, beat writer for the Boston Celtics, joining us today on CLNS Radio with some interesting takes on the Paul Pierce contract situation, KG's return, Doc Rivers, and my co-host, Rich Conti, getting very conspiratorial. Nice job, Rich.
4: I think I watched a little too much X-Files last night. <laughs> <I think. laughs> to put me in that frame of mind.
3: It's the David Duchovny in you coming out, my friend. That's right. All right, let's do this. Let's reset. We're going to go to a break, and when we come back, Rich, we're going to talk about the column that you posted called Loosely Connected Thoughts on the NBA Playoffs and the Boston Celtics. Right now, you can read that piece on CLNS Radio. Rich will detail it for us when we come back with more on the Celtics beat.
2: Hey, This is Mike Fay from Mike T Just reminding you about all of the great stuff We have right here on CLNSRadio.com Even though the Celtics may be in the offseason Our Celtics postgame show will be back in better than ever When the boys in green take the parquet again And until then, stay with CLNS For outstanding coverage of the Red Sox And Paw Sox Plus, we still have our outstanding weekly shows Tuesday night at 7.30, it's the Boston Sports Connection, hosted by CLNS content manager Sean Backy. One hit away from a perfect game, and he was dealing on Saturday. On Wednesday, Brian Langford brings you the evening score at 8. I always say, yeah, I'm not scared to go into it. I'll go completely into it. And tune in Thursday nights at 9 for NBA for Life with Pat and AWOL. The Pacers win games when they go inside to David West and Roy Hibbert. Don't forget, you can call into our live shows at 347-215-7771, and if you miss the live broadcast, you can download us on iTunes. And there are even more awesome podcasts available. Check them all out on clnsradio.com.
3: Hi, everyone. It's Ty Ray from King of the Court and the Celtics postgame show. clnsradio.com is rapidly expanding, and you can be a part of it all. Join the CLNS radio community today. Register as a CLNS member. When you join, you'll get your very own blog page and profile. And signing up is so easy, you can even use your Facebook page to do it. While you're at it, text CLNS fans to 22828 to join our e-updates community. That's CLNS fans, one word to 22828. And don't forget, you can always chat and become a part of the conversation on our message board. That's at clnsradio.com backslash forum clns radio is getting bigger and better every day and we want you to be right there with us
2: celticsblog.com blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors jeff clark is the most distinguished celtics blogger on the web celtics blog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide celtics fans the most unique thoughtful and in-depth commentary online There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog, and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you the Garden Report, the only HD postgame show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at CelticBlog.com.
0: This is Avery Bradley of the Boston Celtics, and you are listening to DLNS Radio.
2: DLNSRadio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio. One, two, three.
0: It's the Celtics Speaks
3: with Ty Redd. Some groovy music for you on a Sunday. Ty Ray, Rich Connie, Celtics Beat. We just had a very enlightening conversation, I thought, Rich, with Baxter Holmes, the beat writer for the Celtics. He works at the Boston Globe. Some interesting takes from Mr. Holmes. What was your impressions?
4: Yeah, I mean, he's really been a breath of fresh air since he came to the Globe. Um, You know, the Globe, you know, back you know in the '80s and '90s was you know probably the most respected uh, sports pages in in the country, and you know, obviously with the the advent of uh, you know, uh, online internet, um, you know, based sources and and social media. You know, the 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 publishing industry is uh, you know uh, taking a bit of a hit and trying to you know sort out their um you know their future. Um, uh, but man, you know. Guys like Baxter, having them in the toe, um, you know, really uh, is a great thing for the globe. And just really enjoyed his commentary, particularly you know the uh, the commentary on on Danny Ainge and and the idea of um, you know how aggressive he is and and how you know he. he you know, can't really put anything past him, you know, be surprised if uh if there was any scenario we as fans could come up with that, you know, that you know, he hasn't already considered. And um you know, that's one of the reasons I think the Celtics are in good shape with, with Ainge at the helm. And,
3: and Danny, as we know, certainly not not worried about people thinking poorly of him. Look at the Kendrick, you know, Perkins Jeff Green trade he made and he took all sorts of criticism for that. We don't need to get into that on today's show. That has been well documented, but it seems like it's working out just fine considering the way that Jeff has improved and Kendrick's decline. But let's get to your article, Rich called Loosely Connected Thoughts on the NBA Playoffs and the Boston Celtics. And anyone listening, please go to CLNS Radio, go to Rich's column. It's outstanding work. He addresses LeBron James and the Miami Heat, and he talks about the future of the Boston Celtics. And what I found most interesting for myself, Rich, as a Celtic fan, is this notion that people have, let's blow it up, let's start over again. And you outline, outline why rebuilding through
4: the draft doesn't guarantee success. Yeah, you know, it kind of occurred to me you know, in thinking about the you know, the conference finalists this year. And, of course, you know, the Russell Westbrook injury uh, had a big impact on that.
3: But if you are
4: had- Actually, look at the teams, the conference finalists uh, in uh, this year's playoffs. You know, if you kind of break it down, there's roughly you know 37 players among those four teams you could really consider you know heavy-duty rotation players. You know, give you know one or two, for example, is is Mike Miller a rotation player for the for the Heat? Well, probably not. But you know, if you really broke down those 37 players and you know kind of looked at how the team uh, acquired them. 15 of them were free agents of, of some form or another, right? Some were uh, high-impact free agents. Um, you know, uh, obviously, LeBron James and and Chris Bosh come to mind. Uh, they were sign and trades, uh, so technically they were traded for, but the re- reality is they were free agent signings. And others were guys that, that teams just kind of grabbed off the scrap heap. You know, uh, the Spurs signed Danny Green, who's a key part of their rotation, um, you know, really off the scrap heap after he was released by Cleveland. So you had 15 of those those players were, you know, uh, you know, over a third of them were, were were picked up as free agents. Another ten were acquired by trade, right? So you know, there's 25 of the 37 right there. And only five of those players in that, that those rotations were actually drafted in the lottery by their current team. You know, I think, you know, the, 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 um, you know, one of the, the popular narratives out there is that, well, you know, if you're not already a championship team, the best thing to do is to be in the lottery. And then you get access to that top end talent pool. And that's, that's how you, you build your team back up. But the reality is it doesn't really happen that way very often. And, you know, if you look at those five players that were drafted um, in the lottery by the current team obviously Dwayne Wade is you know uh, fits the classic description of a of a you know of that top tier talent that, that you can really only get uh, through the lottery um, or that people think you can only get through the lottery. but then you look at some of the others uh, Duncan obviously is that type of talent but the reality is that for those folks of you who, who remember um, you know obviously most Celtics fans you know remember the lottery that year the only reason the reason the Spurs were in the lottery was because David Robinson missed the entire previous season with an injury. So there was a team that was already a, a title caliber team that just threw, you know, just kind of the, 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 the breaks. Uh, Ended up with, um, you know, a lost season, but ultimately got rewarded for it in the form of, you know, their next superstar in Tim Duncan. And then, you know, you've got um, Mike Conley of the the Grizzlies, and he was a number four overall pick, has turned into a wonderful. Player, but um, you know it, it's hard to make an argument that the Grizzlies um, might not be a, as good as they are with you know a Rajon Rondo who wasn't a lottery pick or a Tony Parker who wasn't a lottery pick uh, in that in that position, and then you know the the, the last two are uh, on the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Paul George, you know, was a number ten pick, kind of in that that late lottery, so that starts to even strain the argument a uh, little bit because you know the reality is Indiana was very fortunate. That a lot of teams passed on him. And then, you know, the fifth player is Tyler Hansborough, who's, you know, a solid rotation player, but certainly not, um, you know, a make or break player for the the Pacers. So, you know, really only, you know, five players of those 37 were were acquired by, you know, being you know in the lottery and 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 you know um having suffered through that losing and 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 getting the reward for it uh five other players were were just as many of them were drafted in the mid to late first round so you can get impactful players in the middle to late part of the first round. Um, so if you're a team that has success, the draft is still a, a you know a way to build on that set, uh, success and sustain it. And then two of the players were, were were second rounders. So you know I think that really speaks to the fact that there's a lot of different ways to to build a team. A lottery talent is a key. Um, lottery level talent is a key. You know obviously you need one of those um, real high-level impact players to to make it as far as the conference finals. But there's actually many ways to acquire them, and being bad enough to get a lottery pick is probably not the, the, the best way to acquire them.
3: And if you look at the teams that have been successful, it's because of success at the coaching level, at the management level. Sorry, Tom, you were breaking up there? No, I, I, what I was saying, Rich, was it's important, and I say this all the time when I hear comments like, fire Danny Ainge, fire Doc Rivers. It is so important to have stability in management at the head coaching position with Doc Rivers, at the, head, at the general manager position with Danny Ainge, and great, great ownership committed to winning and letting his management do his thing. I'm talking about Wick Grossbeck, who totally trusts Danny and Doc. It's so important to have that kind of stability, and it's that kind of stability that leads to success. Just look at San Antonio, for another example, who's been successful for years, years and years and years. So I I, I totally agree with you, Rich. The idea of you just want to blow things up and hope things work out in the draft is nonsense. The the
4: most successful franchises, almost by definition, the ones that sustain the success, do that by sustaining success, right? Exactly. Yeah, rebuilding is a last resort. It's it's something you do when you've made so many bad decisions that you've got to kind of dig out from them and and you start trying to figure out how to – contracts, how to take a step back and and kind of rebuild your, your culture and typically it's a whole new management and, and uh, coaching structure that, that ends up doing that but the teams that are successful and are able to sustain that success do that by maintaining as much payroll and salary cap flexibility as they can, um, being smart about taking advantage of opportunities that draft and the trade market present just like Ainge did in, in 2008 in the years leading up to that. The centerpiece of that KG deal, let's not forget, was Al Jefferson, That's correct. Who, yeah. who was drafted with the 15th pick in the draft and the Celtics are drafting 16th this year. Um, and Really, this idea of intentionally sacrificing competitiveness to land in the lottery, it's just historically proven it doesn't translate into success.
3: No, it doesn't. And Anybody who knows the history of the Boston Celtics knows that the ping-pong balls don't necessarily <laughs> bounce their way so counting on the lottery, not a guarantee of any type if you're a Celtics fan. So get those thoughts out of your head. And quite frankly, Rich, this team, even without, I think, Pierce or Garnett, pretty talented on some level. So they're not going to be that awful anyway when you're talking Rondo and Bradley and Solinger and Jeff Green and Brandon Bass and Courtney Lee. There's some decent talent there. There's some really decent talent there to think about. So it's... I, I, sure you're there. 202, you're on the line. What would you like to talk about? Um, I wanted to know why.
1: What uh, possible plays do you see the Celtics making this season?
3: Oh, could you repeat that question for me? I said, what possible plays do you see the Celtics making this season? This off season, Well, I think it all is going to depend on what exactly happens with Pierce. I don't think – we're going to see them do anything uh, soon because they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do with Pierce, whether or not they want to buy him out, whether or not they're going to trade him out. And I think Danny's going to wait till the last minute to do something in re- that that regard. It's all going to come down here to the end of June. By the way, for, for those of you just tuning in, we just lost Rich Conti, my co-host, and it was really interesting. It sounded like we had some fireworks going uh, on in the background. I want to thank you for bearing with us and continuing to listen to the show. But getting back to your question, caller, first of all, caller, where are you calling from, and what's your name? Oh,
1: it's Devontae. It's Devontae NBA.
3: Oh, yeah. How are you doing? I follow you on Twitter. We talk from time to time. It's it's great to finally uh, talk to you. Yeah, I I really don't know, and I I think it depends on the Celtics' cap flexibility, too, and we don't really know where that stands uh, as well. So what I'd like to see, I'd really like to see the Celtics acquire some sort of some sort of big man. I think we're all thinking that that's uh, that's a direction that they should go in. But whether or not they can do that, that's a whole different story. It all depends on the money involved, and it's uh, it's a frustrating process for the Celtics. We just don't. Devonte, thanks for uh, thanks for staying with us. Yeah, I've uh, got some fireworks. Does it sound like fireworks to you, Devontae?
1: Yeah,
3: so. yeah, it's pretty interesting, but. Uh anyhow yeah so I don't know Devontae. I'd like to I'd like to see them try to acquire a an Al Jefferson or a Paul Millsap. Uh Millsap I like better than Jefferson just because I think he's a better defensive player uh and has a has a tendency to stay in the lineup whereas at big Al big Al's uh, injury problems have been well documented and he's not as quick defensively as he used to be. Uh I'd like to see the Celtics acquire some sort of score a guy to look out for I think. I think, Devontae, is the Celtics have a possibility of going after Danny Granger from the Pacers, who hasn't seen any time on the floor because he's been out all season. And now with the emergence of Paul George, I think that Danny Granger's numbers, our days are numbered, rather, uh, in in Indiana. Thanks for calling, Devontae. I do appreciate it. Let's keep the call lines moving and go out to the 727. And who do I have at 727? Hi, it's Thirsty Boots. Thirsty Boots, thanks for calling, and I lost Rich, and that's a shame, because we were having a very good conversation about the column that he wrote. And he uh, had, I was trying to I'm trying to get him back on the line, but I'm not having much success.
1: I answered his on the uh, forums. I tried to put an answer on his column, but uh, for some reason, Discus wouldn't take me. So, huh, that's no, too bad. I like that column.
3: Oh, was I was a so the column. are so
1: vindicated. You guys are all coming around to my point of view.
3: Oh, about blowing the team up? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm with That's, you on that. that. I, I I, I think, Thirsty, that everybody should stay in place. I don't see that the Celtics get enough cap relief to make any kind of significant move to improve. So why not get a healthy Rondo back, get Sullinger healthy, keep the guys, make one more run. And you know what? In February, if the team is struggling, then you can still work on trading Pierce if, if you want That's to. But why not make a run? In, in, at the uh,
1: trade deadline... he'll he'll be worth a little bit more money, but he'll be worth more in the trade, too, because somebody's trying to get rid of somebody that they don't want who has a little higher salary.
3: That's right. It will give the Celtics a a bit more freedom.
1: Absolutely.
3: I I have to ask your opinion on the Eastern Conference Finals between the Heat and Pacers. I I think you know my my feelings about the Miami Heat, although I respect them. I think LeBron James is the best player on the planet. As as somebody who's been an NBA fan for a long time, Thirsty... What do you Even think longer of, than you. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to go there, but, but in your opinion, am I being too out of line by saying there's not enough respect being shown for the game by LeBron? Well,
1: I, I was thinking about that when you were talking about it. I think uh, LeBron, I think he really is a team player. I really do. I don't think he... I think he takes too much on himself. A lot of them do. Uh... But even Bird was a real pain, you know. I yeah. mean, he'd, he'd right, play right, right. the whole game with his left hand to rub somebody's nose in it, you know. Right. Just or tell somebody, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit this shot from the four point line right in front of your face," you know. I mean, he he didn't just play the game and keep his mouth shut. <laughs> so no. There were right. of showboats.
3: Yeah, and, and the other thing too is, I, I think a lot of these players from the '80s. Well, we really don't know what their personalities would have been like on social media and Twitter, and being under the media spotlight that they they are today. My objection, though, thirsty boots, is to what LeBron the tantrums he throws. I never, ever, ever saw some of the great players of yesteryear do that, and that goes along with that sense of entitlement. And I think if you want to be a legend, thirsty boots,
1: I'll go with that. I'll you know, agree if
3: with you want to be a legend, you've got to have. Don't you have to have some sort of etiquette? or dignity on the court, yeah. I just thought it, he was acting like a, a three-year-old kid. And the same goes for the, the, the flopping as well, which I just, I'm so over it. It's just so outrageous. And I, I honestly, when it comes to that thing, I don't admire the officials at all in this situation because uh, they, they're damned if they do, if they're damned if they don't in those situations, calling or not calling, uh, they just can't win. So. Um, but, but back in the day,
1: we didn't know who the officials were. We didn't know there was one named Joey Crawford, who was you a star a official. You know, I mean, yeah. who knew? Yeah, no, exactly. they, they didn't I, play I, the game. They didn't sell the tickets.
3: I, I was thinking they, about this the other day. I was thinking about officials that I grew up watching, and Mindy Rudolph came to mind because he was on CBS a lot, if you remember Mindy Rudolph. And then there was, was it Earl Strom? But other than that, I don't really remember the officials being I
1: don't uh, even remember celebrities,
3: celebrities themselves. Well, I remember yep. Mindy Rudolph just because he was on the old uh, CBS uh, broadcast from time to time. Hey, no,
1: I, I had something I wanted to ask you. Are you from yes. Denver?
3: No, I'm not from Denver. I just worked in Denver for five years. I'm from actually from Tacoma, which is where I live now. I'm from Avery uh, Brown okay. now. Okay, because yeah. you said
1: you were there uh, when Ray Bork won the – on the. Uh,
3: I, I was, and that was I a was huge – th- <laughs> <laughs> th- <laughs> yeah, I was,
1: too. But I was just stuck in the traffic. <laughs> oh,
3: go. that was a crazy night, actually, the Avalanche one, because the fans were everywhere. I don't everywhere. Know,
1: just, you know, friend, I don't know, if you lived there very long, I don't know if you've heard of him. Bill Bowick, he sang at the Buckhorn. That's where I was that night. You know,
3: I don't that, I don't recall that, but to be honest, when I was working in Denver Thursday, I was working like a madman. I worked at Fox 31 Television. I worked alongside a legend in that town named Ron Zapolo. Uh, and wow. I was very grateful to work with him because he's a Boston Celtics fanatic, Red Sox fanatic. You name Boston, he absolutely loves it. But I need to wrap up, thirsty, because yes, have so another- that was I
1: think, and he is the voice of the Western Channel now.
3: As oh, well. is that right?
1: Yeah, and he used to be a, a DJ. So I anyway, that. I just wanted to ask you about that.
3: No, I know I appreciate that. Yeah, there, I was there from 2000 to 2005, and uh, I, I really uh, enjoyed my time there. And I, since I'm not, I'm not in the TV business anymore. I'm just kind of having fun doing what I'm doing right now for CLNS, and really don't have any plans to to get back into TV. I'm getting a little long in the tooth, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, you're on my bucket list now, though. I want a cup of coffee and a cupcake.
3: Oh, I'll get you one. Yeah,
1: you <laughs> sometime. I'd
3: love I'd love to sit and talk basketball with you sometime. Uh, and <laughs> so it's What's amazing is everywhere I go, I mean, I can be in Gig Harbor, Washington. I can be in Denver, Colorado, San Luis Obispo, California. You name it, I will find Celtics fans. I will find Bruins oh, me fans. Too. They're all over the world. <laughs> and like the other day when you were talking about the cupcake story you're referencing, I was at this little cafe with my mother, and these two, uh, this mother and father were talking back and forth. The next thing I know was CLNS talk show launched right there in Gig Harbor, Washington. Everybody wanting to know what's going on with the Celtics, what's going on with the – it was crazy, but it was a lot of fun too. Anyway, yeah. Thirsty, i I got to let you go because i got to wrap up today's so, show. Hey, okay. thank you so much for coming. Always a pleasure. That was one of our favorites at uh, CLNS Radio. That's Thirsty Boots. And we're going to have to wrap up Celtics beat for this Sunday. I want to thank Baxter Holmes, the beat writer for the Boston Celtics, currently at the Boston Globe. He was also uh, a beat writer for the L.A. Lakers, believe it or not. Talk about covering basketball royalty. Absolutely uh, a pleasure to talk to Baxter Holmes. Hope to have him on the network one more time. Also want to thank my co-host, Rich Conti, And we lost him. Um, on the air, and that's disappointing because uh, he had a great article we were discussing that you can find on CLNS Radio. It's called Loosely Connected Thoughts on the NBA Playoffs and the Boston Celtics. If you get a chance, go to CLNS Radio, look up the article, you won't be disappointed. And that's going to do it for today's show. I'm Ty Ray. For my co-host Rich Conti. this has been the Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio.